Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the Pat Bamford step-over of the podcast, completely unexpected but remarkably effective. And I'm joined by the Marcelo Bielsa Cruyff turn of the podcast, Joe Hill. Get him on the pitch, lads! And finally, the Elan Meslier, miskick goal kick of the podcast. <sighs> a bit weak, a bit low... <laughs> A bit nothing at all, really. It's Darren Driver. Darren, how are you doing? Uh, that one hurts, man. It's a bit like being burnt with my own lighter, you know, given how much I love Melier. Uh, yeah, good thanks. Good thanks. All, all good. Looking forward to getting into pulling the bones off what happened yesterday. Mm. And Joe Hill, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks. Uh, I'm liking my name this week, the, the Bielsa Cruyff turn. I have to say, I was uh, I was pretty excited when I saw that. Uh, maybe maybe he's the answer to our problems in midfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, and that is certainly going to be a topic that we talk about today. Before we get into the ins and outs of it, let's just talk about the generalities of it. How did that feel, Darren? Yeah, I mean, at 4-1 up, like like every other Leeds fan, I'm thinking, okay, we've really got a chance here to to run away with this or to, to you know kind of really get some control in the game. Um, because although we'd, we'd scored those four goals, I didn't necessarily feel like we'd had huge amounts of control leading up to that. Um, and then, and then things occurred, didn't they, uh, over the <laughs> over the next twenty minutes or so, which made it a much less comfortable, much more stressful experience. And I feel like it necessarily needed to be. Mm. Yeah, Joe, how about you? Yeah, the the same with me. Really, I was I was hoping at four one that this was going to sort of. Uh, show all the pundits that we're we're not going to concede a lot of goals this season because after the Liverpool game it seemed to be that lots of people were saying Leeds are going to be so leaky at the back and it's just every game's going to be carnage and I, I wanted this game to prove that wrong um, because I don't think that is what the season's going to be like but uh, maybe they are right after all and maybe every game is going to be a yeah. seven goal thriller. I didn't think it was going to be like that. It's an interesting one because I feel like I feel like watching the game back is always a really interesting experience. It's always a really eye-opening yeah. one for me. And I kind of, for me, the frustration is not with the defensive system so much as with, with lapses of con- concentration and Absolutely. Sort of fall si- situations where it falls down in moments. And like maybe that's maybe that's just part and parcel of the fact that our defensive system is a little bit mm. sketchy when because it is related to um, this man-orientated press that we do, and and maybe you know those lapses of concentration that we call them, where the, where things fall down a little bit, is just the result of the fact that you know when you do play a man-orientated system, that one person messes up and then everyone has to sort of cover, and you sort of cross yourself and hope for the best and and see where you end up. I, I'm thinking particularly of the so the decord over read um, example yeah. is is for me the the breakdown of the system. That's the goal where you know that that's where the system has has really let down. So Calvin Phillips and again part of that is because um, 
Frank um, Angisa was did everything right. He did a series of yeah. of things exactly right, which caused us problems. But he takes a touch that that wrong footed Phillips. Phillips came touch tight and and probably got too tight to him, and then he turned him. And then Cooper left um, Reed to to I guess Dallas and pushed forward a little bit and ended up being in no man's land. And because um, uh, Angisa had taken that touch perfectly. He just had the uh, um, the opportunity to play a through ball into to um, Decoud over Reed, and that was that was that. Yeah, I think I think Dallas has got to be a lot more alert to that as a possibility, though, hasn't he? Once once he sees um, Anguissa beat um, Phillips, he's got he's got to be taking taking the man on the inside, not not kind of covering mm. the space really. Um, so I, I don't like to criticise individuals for for individual goals, but I, I do think that 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 one really goes down to it to his indecision in terms of who to pick up yeah I'm, and I'm sure it is that but I guess what, what I am trying to say is that you know that that felt to me like a systemic problem the goal yeah. rather than like an individual thing like every Fair. every individual could have done something better there and the goal probably wouldn't have happened uh, I think a similar thing happened in the in the um, third goal for Fulham as well where yeah. he, just right at the last minute when the ball goes back into the box it feels like two or three players just all changed the player that they were man-marking for some reason and um, it just meant that Cooper was never going to have a chance of matching Mitrovic in the air but beyond yeah. that you know those are two that's two little mistakes whereas the impression I was getting from a lot of the fans was oh you know we had a five minute session or ten minute section of the game where we just sort of let our heads go a little bit and we lost a bit of control and just watching the game I'm not entirely sure that I would agree with that. Yeah, that's not how I saw it, and and I agree with you, John. I think I think that that, that there were some systemic problems which largely came from the midfield area yesterday. But one of the things about a man marking orientated system is that it does come down to individual battles, doesn't it? And and too many times, just in that little period, we did lose individual battles and I think I also think back to the, the the point at which they hit the post with a long range shot and there was there was another couple of moments where it, it where we did lose battles and it was largely to do with people getting beaten mm. in, in a one-on-one situation and then then being and then the Fulham player being able to drive at the defense mm. yeah on the back of that I think you know the, for me the biggest defensive lapse was the Robin Koch um, penalty giveaway again which is it felt as though at that point you know and and you know I've been saying all the way through this week Fulham are much better off the ball um, than they are on the ball um, and yeah. I feel as though we really um, they really didn't cause as many problems in open play and it's just frustrating when you're you're 1-0 up to just sort of give away an absolutely like crystal clear penalty from just diving in um, that's what frustrates me about our system is because um from from yesterday not not from the system but is that you know if you can eradicate those sorts of sloppy mistakes that are just yeah. absolutely needless then we're going to make our lives a lot easier and um we we scored basically four goals i think without really much pushback from from fulham um and then and then i think you know we we did lapse in concentration a little bit i do think i do feel like um our system requires utmost concentration all the time and I think perhaps Absolutely. the reason why we gave away those two goals was because we were 4-1 up and flying and they probably just sort of felt, felt you know this is easy job done nothing to worry about and then we gave away those those couple of silly goals and um, and, and then it was um, a little bit more of a squeaky bomb moment but I felt as though we, we sort of controlled the game well from there but we'll break these things down um, again in terms of the defensive and offensive side of the game in a little bit but first um, we had a question from from Dan Holdsworth um, he says I'll level with you I'm really scared what can we do to fix it does it need to be fixed are leads allowed to have good left backs um, I don't want to get into any of the the specifics of that because we will talk about those later on but I did get the sense that a lot of the fan base are quite nervous about what the season is going to look like all of a sudden um, so I wonder Joe do you feel nervous about this season after after last uh, yesterday's game no I'm not nervous actually um, I really enjoyed the Liverpool game I thought that was that was great and that showed that we can attack well and attack efficiently and then yesterday like you say there was a there was a couple of mistakes in there we gave away another penalty which which doesn't help but that's not going to happen every single game and um Bielsa's going to be completely on top of that and the the players are going to be on top of that as well and Cooper and Cock are going to get to know each other better and get to know how each other plays and I'm 
I'm, I'm not too worried. I think Bielsa has it in him to identify the problems and sort them out very quickly. And, you know, this is just, this is our first year back in the Premier League for 16 years. So there's going to be a bit of nervousness or there's going to be a, you know, a bit of a shaky start. But um, no, I'm, I'm not worried at all. Hmm. And I guess as an extension question to that, um, it felt as though a lot of the fan base were more nervous about Leeds defensively than they were in an attacking sense. Now, that's understandable because we've scored seven goals in two games. Um, but, you know, we're going to talk about the XG over performance in a bit. Um, so, I, I guess, Darren, what are you more worried about? There is a potential for the attack to, to maybe start breaking down if we regress. Are you more more worried about the attack or the defence this season? Um, I'm more worried about the fact that although we scored seven goals in two games, we haven't created anything like the number of chances we ordinarily would and, and that we're used to seeing over two years uh, with Bielsa. Um, but I, I, I'm not worried about the attack or the defence. I see our problems very much coming from the midfield area just at this moment in time. And I'm, I'm really, really keen to see that resolved as soon as we can because at the moment we're kind of trying to patch up and carry on. Yesterday we had Rodrigo, who's a striker. We had Roberts, who's a striker. And we had Ali Oscar, who's whatever Ali Oscar is, <laughs> covering the midfield roles. And... Um, and and it it's just kind of patch up and go on, and we're only two games into the season, and we're already playing patch it up, mm. um, which is a real concern for me. Right, let's move on to talk about the defensive and then the offensive side of the game yesterday. So, uh, I'd like to begin. We've we've already sort of touched on it, but talking about the defence in general. Um, Jim Duffy asks, what are the underlying numbers in comparison between our opening two games this year and the equivalent games last year? Thinking of the best defence in Europe last season versus whatever this is presently. And I haven't got the underlying numbers to hand because I'm still waiting on FB Ref to update their numbers. But, you know, last season, if you look at the... Um, the rolling XG charts that we put out, uh, we were flying at the beginning of the season. We were creating, I think, around uh, certainly over two, maybe up to maybe two and a half XG. And we were conceding yeah. less than one ourselves, which is an XG differential of like 1.5. Whereas yesterday, we actually slightly underperformed Fulham, depending on which models you look at. It's, a, it's about balanced. Um, we obviously both conceded penalties, but um, I think... Um, Michael Cayley's model has had as a 0.8 xG from open play versus Fulham's 0.8 xG from open play as well, which means once again we've failed to create a single goal in terms of xG per game, despite the fact that we've scored seven. So, um, what what do we think? What do we think about the the defense in, in general? Um, I've already talked about how I feel as though it's more lapses in concentration, but um, we do know that you know our man marking system is very easy to be exploited, and especially I think in a higher league um, with higher play with more elite players who can capitalise on on positional mistakes. So yeah, Darren, how are you feeling about the the defence in general? I feel like at the moment what what we need to do is we need some. I think Bielsa needs some time on the training ground with with people because there were a couple of times where um defensively right from the front of the team I'm talking about not just the back four because I think it's really important that we remember that in Bielsa's system every single player is a defender when we haven't got the ball and vice versa um so I I feel like defensively we we really struggled um with Rodrigo uh, man marking Harrison Reed because he basically didn't do it for much of the first half and that meant that Fulham had free reign to pick their way through the through the passes um, and I felt like like um, Click and and Phillips more or less gave their normal performances defensively and that was fine and the wingers worked really hard I think in in the centre of defence I feel like um, like like Cock and Cooper will will build an understanding I'm not too concerned about it but there were but for example for as you've already identified John for Fulham's third goal there was a bit of confusion there as to who was picking who up which effectively meant that that both central defenders ended up in no man's land as well as the goalkeeper um and yeah I felt like we were vulnerable down the left hand side so I, I think that that will be that is an ongoing concern for me and something I've been worried about for quite a long time but but overall, I think if we can get that midfield gap plugged effectively and properly, um, I, th- I think we'll be okay defensively, to be honest. Mm. I wonder how much of this as well comes down to the fact that we did have that sort of lack of control at times in possession. Um, yeah. Again, you know, I've I've made no bones about the fact that I think that we're going to be quite vulnerable from um, defense in t- defensive transition when we lose the ball in attacking transition and suddenly we have to deal with a sort of flow of players trying to overrun us. Um, we had a few questions about 
well we had a lot of questions about the midfield really um in in those respects so um Fitzroy Bagger says is Phillips slightly off his game his ball retention in midfield does not seem to be as it was we have looked overrun there for a while we looked overrun there for a while in the second half Johnny Bradbourne said did we lose the battle for midfield today did we miss Pablo uh Neil Maltby said did we miss miss Forshaw today so Joe what was your feeling on the on the midfield situation I completely agree with what what Darren was saying about Rodrigo I don't think he was he was with it with the man marking system at all um I think him and Bamford were sort of trying to do similar roles at times um in terms of the marking and that that just wasn't working and in in that regard I think we did miss Pablo um not from an attacking sense, but just from a defensive sense, because he knows exactly where to be in in Bielsa's system. Um, and the same can be applied to Forshaw. You know, they they Pablo and Forshaw both have a a great understanding of the system by now, and I think they would have both uh, they would have both done far better than Rodrigo did uh, yesterday. Any more thoughts on this, Darren? Uh, just just in terms of the, the Phillips question, um, I thought it was very noticeable yesterday how every time the ball went to Phillips, he was surrounded by Fulham players immediately. And, and I think at times they were in that 4-2-2-2 system that, you, that you'd identified in the week, John, and they, they really surrounded him. And I think that was the problem in terms of Phillips finding, finding Leeds players was the fact that he was immediately surrounded. Um, I thought they played that absolutely to perfection, recognising how key that Phillips is to our, our build-up play. Yeah, it's funny because, again, I watched the game back yesterday to try and work out what I thought was going wrong. And like as you guys have identified, um, it's the, the, the breakdown clearly came down from the Rodrigo entering the, the game as a midfield player. And and it was obvious, I think, from, from the clips that um, I'm going to share on our, uh, on our video analysis tomorrow morning um, that he was playing as if he was a striker and... Yeah. Bamford was playing as if he was a striker and the problem was that it was just so easy for, for Fulham to pass the ball around and get Harrison Reed free and then just play through the middle. Um but even still I felt like in terms of in terms of creating chances, you know, Fulham Fulham's problem in it, problems in possession seem to stem from the fact that, you know, they they don't run anything like creative routes at all in, in possession around the box. So yeah. Yes, they broke our press a few times in the forward areas, but they then ended up in our midfield area and they just sort of played the ball one side to the other fairly ponderously and then essentially tried to cross the ball. But even then, like they they only seem to be able to cross the ball in when they have a stretched a little bit. So only when they got through our press quickly and and then potentially put balls in and I'm just trying to think through the situations where each of those dangerous moments occurred um there was obviously the ball through to to Brian which let's led to the penalty but I didn't think that was that dangerous a situation which is one reason no. why we've said it was a brain dead challenge from Koch um absolutely there was the one great through ball from Angisa which sort of exposed our our defense and then the other one was a, 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 an attack which sort of the ball broke down into the wide area after Leeds had done a fairly good job of stopping a, a chance. And then, and then it was sort of f- 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 uh, flighted in when, you know, we didn't have a player out wide. So other than that, I didn't, there wasn't a huge amount of dangerous chances that were caused. Um, uh, Niskan's Cabano obviously hit the post um, with a little bit of shoddy defending. And then there was one time when I think Phillips um, cleared the ball out to um, uh, Mitrovic on the edge of the area and Mitrovic had a fairly lame shot straight up. Uh, yeah, um, Melier. Uh, but apart from that, you know, they didn't create many chances. And again, hands up to us, we didn't create many chances either. Um, it was one of those games. But uh, I didn't feel as though we were particularly overrun in in the midfield. I think Angisa was was a very was very strong. Um, yeah. And as we'll talk about, well, let's move on to talk about it now. Alioski was brought in in midfield, um, and we had a few questions about that. So Fitzroy Bagger says, "Did Alioski make a real difference when he came on? Everything seemed a bit calmer after his arrival." Um, Joe, how did you how did you read the Alioski coming on in midfield situation? I always think of Alioski as a as a Duracell bunny. That's just the, always the phrase that comes <laughs> to mind uh, when I think of him. And when he was coming on yesterday, I, I thought exactly the same thing. I think Bielsa's just going to say to him, "Look, take control, use your energy, and run around and and get in their faces." Um, but you know, he, he is also a player that's well accustomed to the system, and it it did seem a bit calmer um, when he went on. But um, 
I think it's just because he was he brought so much energy in in the press, and he was just bringing dynamism onto the pitch that you know Fulham Fulham didn't couldn't really cope with it after that after that stage, and we sort of seemed to get a bit more control of the ball, Um, and I think he sort of did Hernandez's role for for the team. You know, up until that point, no one was really playing it, so. I'm not sure I would play Alioski in midfield again. Um, I am a big Shackleton fan, as um, as you guys both know, um, and yeah. it, it was interesting why Alioski came came on over Shackleton. Um, I don't know what you chaps think about that, but um, no, I think it did make a difference and it settled it all down. Yeah, I, I felt the biggest difference was that suddenly we were we were retaining the ball and he was play, he, he played quite a lot of really nice one-two touch football in tight spaces, which helped us get out of a few situations. I thought yesterday, I thought that was that was the thing that he did that he did particularly well. I mean, he's, he's always going to have energy and he's always going to press well, but actually he showed a real a real uh, composure, which is not something you you normally see from him. Yeah, and I, th- I think as well, you know, the the game state affects things here as well. We needed to defend, really. We needed to stop them from being dangerous rather than go out and score, which is, I think, why why Alioski was brought in. But yeah, I, d- I do think Alioski shored up the pressing. We know that he's a good presser. Um, it meant that it meant that I, I think that they didn't really get so much control, maybe in in the sort of in deep in their midfield, um, and it certainly worked. And um, yeah, again with the caveat that actually I didn't feel as though we were under a huge amount of of pressure there. For, to be honest, I think, and maybe this is what we should talk about Rodrigo and the press from the front again. But um, obviously, this is second half now. But even still, I felt like throughout the game, and this is something that we saw a lot through the. Um, through last season is that what the way that Leeds press being happy to have um, uh, a one player inferiority in um, in attacking areas so Bamford going up against two centre-backs and then the team sort of um, manipulating themselves with respect to whatever happens with them the problem is is if one of the centre-backs gets past Bamford they usually have a fairly free run at um through the middle of the pitch and I think yeah. Alioski was also brought on because we were seeing that happening a little bit more to, as the game wore on where we saw Dennis Adoy go through quite a few times uh, we saw Michael Hector go through a little bit as well and I think you know again it just sort of took that op- option away um, and because because Alioski is so good in the press it meant that um, that having Roberts up front um, and and uh, yeah, you know, we we just didn't give up give up as much space, I think, as well. Um, so yeah, I think Alioski in midfield was probably a good move on the part of uh, of, of Bielsa, even though for me at the time it didn't feel like it when I saw him going in there. One hundred percent. But interesting because like usually the the move there would have been bring on Alioski at left back and put Dallas in the central midfield. Um, so maybe we aren't going to see that happen quite so much. Um, and maybe this is sort of a Premier League tweak that we've seen where, where Bielsa is happy to bring on uh, Alioski as a sort of pressing measure rather than as, as anyone to sort of control the game. Um, so I guess we'll see that as it goes on. Um, plenty of questions about Robin Koch. Um, Darren, I'll go to you for the, uh, uh, to you on this one because you are our resident centre-back expert. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> A couple of questions. Hamish Wright asks, is Koch just getting up to speed or have we bought a dud? And then Joe Lucas-Smith says, could you give us an assessment of Koch from two games so far? I'd be kind of tentatively cautious, um, cautiously optimistic with, with, with Koch at the moment. I think that he defends in a very different way from Ben White and I think that's going to take some getting used to. So there, there was a point where I think it was Cabano was running at running at him and Cabano took a, a quite heavy touch and, and it's the sort of thing where last season we would definitely have seen Ben White take the ball off his toes and run away with it and everyone would have been talking about how good Ben White was. In fact what happened was was Cock backed off, Cabano tripped himself up and then and then and then Cock took the ball and, and it's just it's just a very different way of doing it, but equally as effective. Um I felt generally he was good. I think I think Bielsa will be doing his nut at some at the way that Cock sometimes um, sort of takes a swipe at the ball instead of taking a touch and looking for a pass. I think that, that he'll have some work to do there because I think particularly towards the end there were quite a few situations where basically Cock was just looking for for halfway when when you know there were probably passes on. Um, I think I think defensively he looks he looks pretty sound. He looks decent in the air. Um, he, he he beat uh, Mitrovic in the air quite a few times yesterday. He looks relatively good from from corners uh, in, in our box. He looks good at corners in their box. Um, 
Yeah, I think the only note of caution is is that that rash tackle that you know from the, from the which led to the the penalty. There was absolutely no need to make that tackle. He could he could have just stood him up and and made him made made the attacker made Brian do the work. But yeah, I think like I say, cautiously optimistic. I think he's got some settling in to do, um, and and I'm hoping that over the next couple of weeks we'll start to see the player that he really is. Mm. Yeah, it is. Is he almost has that that Kiko Casillasism, which seems to be that you know, there's a feeling that if you act as though you're confident, then you will yeah. play confidently, which I'm not always a fan of. Um, but I see, I see Robin Koch having that that sort of desire to sort of jump in and be like, I'm you know, I'm really keen to sort out this situation. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that doesn't really work out. And yeah, for me, that's a decision making issue, particularly on the Brian penalty. Okay, but we don't need to we don't need to dwell on that too much. So you're going to say, Dan? I mean, I have to I have to say I was just going to say that although he d- he did dive in on that penalty, I, I think both penalties were soft in in extremis. I know I, it was a rash tackle and it was stupid, but there was barely any contact and it was barely a foul. And similarly, the the, the Bamford one. So um, he did he did try pull out, but I think the, yeah. the decision to go to ground in the first place was was the error. Oh, it's hilarious. That Joey Bryan went in and pushed Bamford because those are like the, those are the situations Bamford's the worst at, right? The ball coming in, having to take it down and finish. There's no way Bamford was putting that in. <laughs> so just pushing him and giving us a, a penalty was just uh, ridiculous as well. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think both of them. I think according to the rules of the game, both of them were penalties. Um, certainly after the referees given it, you're not going to see them overturned. Um, no. Yes, Koch tried to get out of the, the the challenge and if you watch the if you watch the the replay back there's something i noticed on the second watch that joey Bryan sort of shifts his body to be much he closer does. to him to then take the, yeah. the contact so i mean fair play yeah. to him it's that's that's a legitimate way of, of winning a penalty um but again it comes down to robin Koch has got to make a decision much earlier than that that this is not going yeah. anywhere dangerous i don't need to take evasive action and um no doubt we'll be we'll be fine from that I'm going to stay with you, Darren, because we we should talk about Melier quickly as well. Um, how did you feel yeah. about him yesterday? There's quite quite a bit of criticism for like his penalty um, attempt at save. Sort of ball went under his body. Same with with the Dicodova Reed um, side of things, and then obviously with the third goal, he sort of comes and then goes back. Um, I don't really like talking about goalkeepers because I don't really understand it. But yeah, yeah. what were your thoughts on that? Uh, I counted three mistakes in the game. One, one of which was when he came for a corner and punched it instead of instead of taking it uh, under pressure, under no pressure. Uh, the second mistake that I counted was the the one for the third goal where he where he made the decision to come and then went back on that decision um, and left himself in no man's land, so he had no chance of getting a good dive off. And the third one was the goal kick, which you so winningly <laughs> referenced in the in the. Um, in the intro, I think I think you can never ever criticise a goalkeeper for not saving a penalty that struck that hard and that low. I think that's absolute nonsense. Um, and the the second one, it's one of those like um, where I've talked about before, where a goalkeeper just because he could have saved something doesn't mean that he should have saved something. And it was again, it was hard low. It was it was pretty close to him. Um, and if he saves it, it's a it's a really good save. And and as he doesn't, then you know. Then you do get those questions asked, but I, you know, I'd be extremely reluctant to to kind of say that 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 was a mistake or an error, or he should have done this, or he should have done that, because a, a ball hit that hard and low is always going to be difficult to save for any goalkeeper. If you, if you're going to call that a mistake, you're calling just about every goal in the game a mistake by the goalkeeper, and I I just think that's that's mad. I think also that this there's been the change of uh, rule this year as well, where the VAR can overturn the uh, the penalty save if the goalkeeper's feet aren't on the line at the point of contact with the ball. And I think yep. uh, the ref the ref told Melier that just before the spot kick, you could see he walked right up to him and had a word with him. And um, I don't know, but I'd bet any money that he was saying you've got to keep your feet on the line at the point of contact. And I think that kind of psyched Melier out a bit. Um, we saw it in the other game, in the Man U game, where De Gea saved a penalty um, and then it got overturned. And I just think it's it's almost impossible for a keeper to save a penalty with their foot, you know, and also be yeah. thinking about having their feet on the line. It's just a ridiculous rule. And yeah, I think Melier got a bit psyched out uh, about that and and possibly had, had the ref not had that word with him um, and he'd not been thinking too much about that, then he might have got down a bit quicker. Do you think that... 
this is just an observation from from the the last game, so it may not be that yeah. uh, insightful. But he he does seem to be he's just obviously a tall lad. He does seem to get down, to struggle to get down quickly. I don't know whether or not you you would agree with that. Um, I think that all goalkeepers have got have got slight weaknesses, and I think I think that that you know possibly getting down quickly isn't isn't his most his most winning strength, if you like. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it's something that he's working on. And, I'm, and, and I think that might be part of the reason why we've seen quite a few saves with his feet um, over the time that he's been, been in goal. Um, and, and again, it doesn't matter which way you slice it. Uh, if you save, if you keep the ball out of the net, it, it doesn't really matter. So I'm, I'm sure that's something that he's working on. Um, yeah, every, every goalkeeper has, has got their things that they need to develop. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, let's move on to talk about the attacking side of things. Um, we'll kick off with the XG over performance. Billy Reed sends a, mess, uh, a question in saying, are you worried long-term about our XG so far? Um, and I'll kick this off by saying, you know, in terms of what I'm more worried about is I'm I'm kind of worried about our attack. I said I said last week I think on the podcast that I would be much happier if we get to the end of the four games uh, the uh, the start of the season and we've put up decent xG against teams like Fulham and Sheffield United that we we expect to. And yeah. again yesterday I feel as though um, we didn't manage to do that. Um, one of the things I'm going to talk about in the um, in the video analysis this week is the way that you've mentioned um, Fulham's press, the fact that they press quite high, um, and that the fact that they played with that sort of almost two strikers pressing the the central defenders uh, to try and break us down. But that meant that they they ended up with a w- real weakness, I thought, on the right hand side because Kenny Tete had to push right up and. Um, and it meant and and to to mark Stuart Dallas, it meant they had a real weakness down that, that down our left hand side, their right hand side, um, and two of our goals came down that area. So the Bamford run, um, where he he actually matched up with Dennis Adoy, who was the left sided centre back who had to push right out to the right side to cover the the space that had been left, and then the other one was um, the the click through ball um, to. Yeah, uh, to Bamford, where again you see um, the, the 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 right back out of position, uh, and so there was just a big hole on in the sort of uh, left uh, right back area for them, the left side for us, and I just don't feel as though we we capitalised on that at all. I think we should have been doing that. We should have been trying to go down there all day long. Um, we're going to talk about Stuart Dallas, um, I think, as, as maybe a, a negative from the game, but. Um, I worried. I worry about our xG over performance more than I worry about our defence because I think we're going to def- we're going to give up goals. That's 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 what's going to happen. But um, if we're going to survive in this league, we have to be scoring them. And um, I, I just thought we didn't do enough yesterday. I think we've currently scored seven goals from something like one point six seven uh, xG, and that's including a penalty as well. So we, if you take that away, we, we've created about one xG from open play in two games, which is. <clears throat> Yes, against Liverpool, but also against Fulham, and I, for me, that's yeah. just not enough. So, what are the thoughts on the on the um, on the attacking side of things, and Joe? It's an interesting one because initially, I, d- I don't feel that worried by it. Weirdly, um, I think so, I think having less chances in the games is going to be something we're all going to have to get used to this year. Um, we're not going to be dominating every game, and we're not going to be having you know ten clear cut chances in every game um, like like we were doing last year. Um, but it's it's also about uh, the the different kind of opportunities that we're getting nowadays. Like like you were saying, Bamford 
being released in behind uh, in lots of space on two occasions that led to the two second half goals. Would we have seen that last year against you know eighty percent of the teams that sit back really deep against us? And it could be that we we do overperform our xG this year because of the nature of the opportunities because we're getting runners in behind and they're getting a lot more space than we were last year. So I'm not necessarily that worried, although it we are massively overperforming and obviously we're not going to keep it up to that degree. How about you, Darren? All of the goals we've scored so far have been really, really excellent goals, really great finishes from from relatively small chances. Um, and I, I think that um, we, we know from you know, years and years of watching football and two years of watching this Bielsa team that, that that isn't going to that isn't going to continue. That eventually, you know, those ones where like like the Costa one, which is, you know, an absolutely fantastic goal, but both of them are. But as often as not they're gonna go over the bar or gonna hit the keeper or gonna hit one of the defenders and and and, and, and I guess that, that that raises the concern then that if we're not ra- if we're not creating the sorts of chances where a goal is the expectation rather than a surprise then then we are we are going to find ourselves in in real problems but i agree with you to an extent in that if you think about costa's second goal how often last season did did we ever get to a situation where there was a cutback and there was a clear shot at the goal? It was it was always through piles of defenders throwing themselves at the ball. Now Fulham don't throw themselves anything defensively, and I think that's something that we need to take into consideration. But um, but I think I think that you know although on paper that's that's a small chance of whatever it is six percent seven percent ten percent maybe. Um, I, I still I still think it is it does feel like a slightly better chance than that to me just because of the lack of bodies between the goal and, yeah. and the ball. Um we talked last week about um how good Helder Costa and Jack Harrison were. Um I think today uh, yesterday sorry Costa was brilliant and Harrison was was yeah. not as good. Um which again I think is worrying given what I said about Fulham being weak on that side. Um Joe, what did you feel about the, the, about Costa and Harrison? Did you notice a big difference between the two of them? I did to to normal, yeah, because Harrison is normally much more in the game than he was yesterday. Um, he normally yeah. is making runs in behind. He's taking people on one v ones. He's getting big switches of play to his side, um, and he seemed pretty quiet to be honest um but then again costa costa stepped up when when he needed to and we can't expect harrison to be you know on it every single game and uh costa did the job you know um getting a brace is uh is fantastic and i thought he had a good game and i think if between them they can they can keep up those performances you know whether it's one or the other every week then um that's that's going to bode well for us Harrison did tons and tons and tons of defensive work, yeah. which which went unnoticed, I think. Um, but I agree from an attacking point of view, he was he was quiet. There were a few good moments. There was a, a lovely, I remember a lovely ball, I think, into Dallas with the outside of his foot that 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 you know. I don't think Dallas really made anything of it. Um, but yeah, I I agree overall. I thought I thought Costa was fantastic yesterday, and the goals apart, you know, I, th- I think his. His uh, running with the ball is the way that he drags us up the field. And I think that's going to be incredibly valuable this season. Yeah, and again, as I said, um, the the weakness that was caused on that right side was by Kenny Tete pushing up so high. And I think Harrison chased him back. And at, at times it sort of meant that we ended up with two players marking a player who perhaps perhaps Dallas could have marked and then we could have pushed Harrison on I know that's not how the the man marking system yeah. works but I felt as though that was the maybe one of the causes of that in that we the, there was a worry about the fact that um that because uh, Abubakar Kamara pushed on to Liam Cooper and Koch was already marking Mitrovic you then lost your plus one um yeah. superiority at the back um and so yeah, I think the feeling what the feeling must have been. Well, then Dallas has to drop in even deeper and sort of semi cover, um, so that so that Cooper can 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 lose his player and then Dallas comes in and then obviously as a result of that Harrison has to follow Tete really really high, which wasn't happening on the other side and allowed um, Costa to to get a little bit more time um, in in sort of attacking build up. Yeah, I, I mean, I felt like I felt like Fulham targeted Dallas throughout, and I think that it had Harrison not. Not tried to, you know, not try to stop the overload there. I think we would have been in real problems at various points in the game. 
I do agree. I do agree. Um, I, I guess you know the, the the times I'm thinking where so even for even for the Bamford um, dribble and and cut back, um, Harrison sort of is in a quite a deep position and heads the ball yeah. onto him from Melier's kick from the back, um, and and that sort of for me Melier's typifies... pass from the back. I think you'll find. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, was, it was good. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Oh dear, I've, I've offended him. No, you haven't. That felt to me like he was almost playing as in that in that sort of left back position and, and feathering the ball down to a left winger. And maybe yeah. that's. I mean, we saw Bamford playing quite wide at times, but I think that was mainly because the press just broke down so much in the first half that they all ended up covering completely different players, and it was just it was just very weird. But on the topic of Bamford, we we should talk about him because another brilliant game for him. Um, Probably is probably is best for Leeds. I don't know. It felt it felt like a much more well-rounded performance from Bamford than than even his best performances in in the Championship. I feel like the best performances he had in the Championship were always almost um, always uh, defensive, strong defensive yeah. performances. Agreed. Whereas this was creative, um, and he just understands the system so well now. It it just feels it feels um, it feels nice. I think to have to have a player there who people have been criticising a lot. Um, since lockdown, I think has just been he's just been brilliant um, and has been irreplaceable. But um, Joe, what 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 is your thinking on Pat Bamford? I was really excited to see him score with his right foot. Um, I didn't know he had one, and uh, he'd obviously <laughs> been uh, doing uh, right foot leg day in the gym um, because he was feeling <laughs> confident enough to take on. I was when it fell to him. I just thought, no way, because you know any right footer would do the same and just bend it round the keeper. And I thought there's no way he was gonna he was gonna do that. But um, it's great to see him looking more confident. I think um, when for his assist for Costa, you know him bursting down the wing with pace that no one knew he had. Um, I was equally as surprised to see that, and I think it's just a sign of his confidence. I think him getting a getting off with a goal against Liverpool really helps. It's always great to score in your first game of the season. And now, two for two, I think he's going to be flying and it's really nice to see. And I think speaking of positives, we should also talk about Mateusz Klick, who has yeah. also really um, really come out of the blocks flying in the Premier League. Um, H40 says, can we talk about Klick? His game position, has his game position slightly changed? And also, should we give him Player of the Season award already? So Darren, thoughts on Klick? I think he's been fantastic in both games. I don't I don't necessarily feel like his position has changed all that much. Um I just think he's playing really well and I think he's another one that's that's kind of really enjoying the the um additional additional space. I mean maybe we should give him the player of the season season award already, but I think he'd have competition from Bamford um because I think he's been just as good in both games. Um I, yeah, great. And I, and I love Cleet's uh, penalties. I think they're they're a thing of beauty, um, and and I just hope we get more of those because uh, I just en- enjoy watching him nonchalantly roll the ball into the corner. Um, but I, th- I thought his 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 pressing was as good as it always is, and there were a, f- a few occasions where he broke up broke uh, broke up their build up and and slips us into difficult into dangerous positions. Um, and he he worked as hard as he always did and boiled as much piss as he always does. So great, <laughs> well done. <laughs> Where there are positives, there are unfortunately negatives. So we should talk about Stuart Dallas. Lots of questions about Dallas. Um, James says, should we be concerned by Dallas's performance today? And Jacob Stanbridge says, share concerns about Dallas in build-up. Do you reckon there's any scope for Davis to burst in onto the scene at left-back? So, Joe, um, should we be concerned by Dallas's performance today? Not yet. No, I think it's too soon. I think he's he's... You you can't perform every single week. Um, he's not been fantastic in the first couple of games, but you know some some people adapt at different speeds. And I think we sh- last last season everyone was raving about him at left back. Um, how he's the best left back in the championship, and you know he has a bad couple of games. And I'm not sure it's time to be talking about um, getting Davis in. I think we I think we should stick with Dallas, give him a few more games, and and see how he copes because he has been great in build up play. You know last season he's there's been some fantastic goals with him involved. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm not worried at all. I think it's just been a period of adjustment for him. Yeah, it's interesting watching him back yesterday because um, we've had a few questions about him, and so I, I do keep a keen eye on players who we have a lot of questions asked about um i haven't seen his pass percentage completion particularly progressive passes but yesterday it just felt like 
none of his forward passes came off. Agreed. Um, and I'm not sure why that was the case. Um, and I think, you know, the thing with Dallas is that you, he, he's... He's, I, I described him on the Twitter account as, as being almost the same as Fulham. He's great off the ball, but not great on it. And um, that seems to be the that seems to be the watchword for him in terms of um, in terms of the Premier League so far. I guess, as I said, you know, I, I felt that, that Fulham's weakness was down that side, and it feels as though um, were we to have had a player, I mean, he, I might even have been tempted to have played Alioski as a left back and then and then just not worried so much about the the midfield situation because i feel as though even just just playing someone like Alioski we might have just had a little bit more going forward but you know equally Alioski is um whatever Alioski is as Darren said before um <laughs> so part of me feels as though there is a real weakness at left back um and part of me feels like we will regret not sorting it out sooner but how do you feel on this Darren I, I fully 100% agree. I, I I have to disagree with Joe on this one. I th- I think we we need a clear first choice left back, and we haven't got one at the moment. Um, I I I'm, I'm I I don't see Dallas as a left back. I think he's I think he's a I think he's a decent right back. Um, but I, I really I really worry about him in that position because I think defensively he switches off. He can have the ball passed around him very easily. He's not too bad when players are running at him. I thought he dealt with Mo Salah last week reasonably well in those positions. But it's it's when the ball's moving he can switch off or he can he can lose his runner and and that puts us in all sorts of problems. And I think in build up play, yeah, what was really noticeable was the number of times that he that he gave the ball away yesterday. So for me, we don't have a natural first choice in that position. And, and I think we should address it now. And I think this is where a lot of the control breaks down. I think there's a there's a general sense that against Liverpool and against even against Fulham that you know both of these teams are teams that play high presses, and if you can play through those presses, then you'll be fine. And I agree with that. But I also kind of think you have to differentiate between being pressed into losing the ball and then losing the ball yourself with a little less pressure. Um, yeah. That's not to say that Dallas is always losing the ball because he's not being. Um, because he's 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 not being pressed. He is being pressed, and you know the, you have to be aware of the fact that you know pressing isn't simply about getting touch tight to players. It's about closing down passing channels as well. But it feels as though with when, when Dallas is playing, he he really he really isn't that hard to to stop from progressing the ball, and 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 that's the worry for me. And as soon as you lose that on one side. Leeds then have to rely on going down the other side the whole time. And I think that's partly why Costa had a good game too, because he yeah. was our out ball because Harrison had to cover and, and that was just that. So um, I do worry a little bit about the, the build-up because we've seemed quite nervous in build-up. The sections of the game yesterday where we were just absolutely brilliant in the build-up, uh, but we're just not consistently passing the ball out from the full-back areas in the Premier League. And that's, I think, maybe the, the, the root cause of, of my worries. Right, one final thing. There's a question about squad depth from Matt Keegan's Wood. Um, so saying, assuming that uh, CAM, central attacking midfielder, is the first priority signing, which I'm not necessarily sure is the case, but um, would you have a centre-back or left-back next given Strauch's emergence? Uh, and also given Harrison and Costa's performances, do you think another uh, winger has slipped down the priority list, especially with Alioski and Perveda and others in the under-23s who provide depth? So just a general question about if we were to fill um, a weak part of the squad now, what would we go for? So Joe, what, what if you had any choice of, of signing any position um, what would you go for? And let's just assume for the for the question that someone like Rodrigo de Paul is coming, or someone someone who is in that mould is coming. Um, what would you say the next uh, situation is? For me, the next one is a centre back. Um, as I mentioned before on this podcast, that I like to see two players for each position. Um, we've got Cooper and Cock. Um, and with Berardi's injury, you know, yes, strikers has emerged and and played really well, yeah. but that's only three. So at left back, you know, we have Dallas potentially, you know, maybe maybe not, but we have Douglas and Alioski, and they're both naturally left-footed. And I know that they're not the best left backs at all, but at least they are there. They are footballers, and they play in that position. Whereas at centre back, we literally don't have anyone else apart, you know, unless you're looking at plucking someone from the under 23. So centre back is very much my priority after centre mid midfield, like you say. I totally agree with Joe around around the centre backs. I, st- I I do think we're one light. Um, I'm interested about this about um 
the idea that we were going to sign Gavardio because he's he's very clearly left-footed, and I wonder whether Stroke's performance performances so far have kind of changed the thinking on that because he's he's left-footed and and I think he's got a really good claim to the left left-sided centre half slot as a as a as a backup. And I wonder whether actually what what we might be doing is looking for a right-sided centre back for for that position. Um, but for me, yeah, I think I've just made I've, I've already pinned my colours to the mast on this one. <laughs> I think we, I I think we need a left back, uh, a good left back, and quite urgently. Yeah, I think I I think I agree. Um, I, th- I think we do need someone in central midfield. Um, of course, someone like Rodrigo Depaul would obviously solve a lot of problems for us. Um, and which is weird because I feel like we were looking for attacking players and I don't think that he's going to be important from an attacking point of view. Um, mm. Getting Forshaw back will be really important, um, obviously. Yes. But yeah, left back for me is is actually quite a glaring weakness for us. And the last few games have, have, have really nailed that home, as, as Darren said. And so I think if you're going to treat these, if you're going to treat the fact that the, the window exists longer than the beyond the start of the season for a reason, then I think that they should seriously think about bringing someone in and certainly moving someone else out from those positions because we now have three players in that position, none of which feels like an acceptably good option. Looking forwards, nothing happening for a week. The under-23s aren't back until next week. We've got a game next Sunday against Sheffield United, so I suspect this podcast next week might be shifted to the Monday to give us a chance to watch the game back. Before that, we will be back on Wednesday looking forward to that Sheffield United game. Until then, you'll have to make do with, I think, Patreon content. So if you do like our content and do want to see more of it, then we have a Patreon channel, which sees lots of content going up on there. So we've got video analysis, we've got an extra podcast or two, We've got some written stuff on there as well. If that sounds interesting to you, head over to www.patreon.com forward slash all stats, aren't we? And have a look at our subscription system. We've just reiterated that. So the, the tiers have now been simplified. So hopefully it'll be a little bit easier for you guys to, to understand. Three people who've done that this week are Simon Kenyon, Kia Milburn and Andrew Whisker. So thank you for getting on board, guys. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. All that there is for us to do is to say thank you to Darren. Thank you very much. And thank you to Joe. Cheers. And we'll see you on Wednesday. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.